Fuck, this stinks terribly. Moto One Podcast Network. Listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast so bad we received an ASBO in Wales. We've been voted best motorcycle podcast five times by David Caruso impersonators across the globe. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out how you can support the show. Alright, with no further ado, let's get into this week's topics, this week's shows, this week's arresting conversations. Hey everybody, welcome to Creative Writing episode, God, 272 I want to say. Um, hey listen, we got some feedback uh, from a listener in Taiwan, John, you know who you are, Johnny Sass, Johnny uh, Johnny Bikey, whatever, uh, Johnny K. John, and he says the sound guy sucks, um, really, really sucks, doesn't like the music in the background, kill the fucking music, kill it, fuck you, he, he, he couldn't, you know, Every single episode just got worse for him. So um, I like the I like the fuck you, fuck you. That was pretty constructive. I took it to heart. So Johnny, bikey Johnny, this is for you. Listen up. This is how the entire show is going to sound. All right, no further ado, let's get into this week's show of creative writing. All right. If you live in America, if you're going to be in Chicago this summer, you're going to want to check out a few things. Let's get into this coming current events. Uh, May 13th through 22nd, Myrtle Beach Bike Week in South Carolina is coming up. I think it's a week long. That's why they call it a bike week. Uh, May 21st and 22nd, the Pasadena Motorcycle Greenhorn Run is going to be a two-day run here from Pasadena down to uh, somewhere in San Diego County. And uh, there's going to be an off-road and an on-road section, so be tuned in for that. May 28th through June 11th, the Isle of Man TT returning after a couple-year hiatus if you're into uh, British road racing and um, Irish road racing. You're going to want to check that out. This is Manx road racing. Um, June... 7th through 11th uh, also is Americade in Lake George, New York. June 9th is the ROT, the Republic of Texas rally happening in Austin. June 16th is the Oklahoma Bike Week in Depew. It's a week long and it's in Oklahoma and it's in Depew, Oklahoma. June 17th, IMS Outdoors kicks off in Loveland, beautiful, beautiful Loveland, Colorado, where they have the Loveland Film Festival every year. And June 24th, big weekend, IMS hitting Chicago, which... uh, from what I hear, is a pretty big city in the United States. And also, Motoblot uh, happening in Chicago that same weekend. So uh, get out there, get into the, uh, you know, get out to these shows. They're coming back after being away. Woo, after being away for a little bit. So it's time to get out and celebrate. With no further ado, we're going to get into this week's show. And it's just going to be, uh, well, you'll hear. You'll hear. It, it, this is going to be the Terre Haute Love Fest. We, we Terra hate Terre Haute on this show. And, um, yeah, let's get into this, uh, this week's show. And at the end, we'll have some uh, special announcements for y'all. With us on the show tonight, oh, my God, this ultimate reverb in here now. It's going to sound like we're recording in a bathroom. In a way, we kind of are. So get ready for that. Get ready for the fun and hijinks. We got two people in the studio tonight. We got so many Chris's, I can't even keep it straight. 
and um, I'm going to go around the room and let them introduce them. So we have, we have three Chris's in here, <laughs> so I can't keep this straight. I'm going to go around the room. You all know the huggable and lovable uh, Chris over here. <laughs> That's me, right? <laughs> That's you. <laughs> yeah. We got Chris number one, and then our favorite Chris Wiggins uh, returning. It's been a little bit since we recorded in the studio, so... Uh, yeah. And Hey, we got a, we got a couple topics on tonight's show that we're going to be yapping about, but first, um, <laughs> we also have in the house Tobor. Tobor, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Oh, nice. It's nice to hear you. And uh, you, there's two new people in the house tonight in the studio. And I know you've never met, uh, Chris S here. So why don't you say hi? And Wiggins hasn't been here in a long time. You were actually plotting to murder him, uh, when he wasn't around. <laughs> And, and I told I him, say, like, I, I don't show up for a while and you had to like find a substitute. Y- yeah, a for, sh- for sure. So why don't you say hello? Hello, Wiggins and Siddons. Chris and Chris, how are you doing? They're doing great. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to answer you. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we got it. I think we, um, no, I, I want to be his best friend. Right. When they take well, the world, it we seems like you turds have this sausage fest under control. I'm powering back <laughs> off. <laughs> Dude, just like that and you're out of here? <laughs> Later, <Sorry>. assholes. <laughs> Later, I know. He's, he's a total, accurate. <laughs> very accurate, but a total, total dick. Well, thanks, Tobor, for nothing. Um, so, yeah, tonight on the show, I can't believe how much reverb. Me and you never got this much, and I think it's because you guys are sitting so far away from the mics, and it's picking me up, too. So, let me, yeah, let me, I'm going to turn down the compression a little bit. Boom. How's that? I think that that worked. That worked. Yeah. Yeah. Compression. Who needs it? I turned it down a little bit. Now I might pot us up just a tad. There we go. That killed all the, uh, the background noise. Um, so yeah, we got two, two Chris's in the house, which is almost more than I can handle. Um, and I'm kind of glad that we're hanging out. We've, we, uh, well, they, um, do, do something called wrench and Wednesdays, which I intrude on once in a while, uh, over, at other Chris's shop, you all know Wiggins. He sits in his garage watching uh, birthday cake videos and uh, Instagram motorcycles, and then and recently bicycles. And he's been getting me into bicycles. But uh, the other Chris, um, I don't know. Do you want to say what you do? Sure. Uh, we're more fabrication, special effects. Uh, occasionally, I fall down on motorcycles. Do that kind of fun <laughs> stuff. But, nice. Uh, yeah, we build about anything and everything. Nice. And that is the truth. Um, yeah, so they do, he does a whole bunch of fun, cool stuff. And if you're ever around to LA and you go check out some of the, the more fun stuff around town here, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, here, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you guys, I'm going to put us all on this track right here because you guys are coming in so quiet. Kind of open chips and I hear it through your mic. Yeah, I know. Here we go. I didn't do a proper sound check. There we go. Check, check, 94. All right, now we're all on the same level. You guys say something. How's that? Good? Ah, That sounds great. That's way better. Way better. A little bit quieter, yeah. I'll turn up the compression now. (laughs) So anyways, yeah, I was coming in super hot and you guys were super quiet so um anyways yeah so we uh the wrench and wednesday thing started this is the craziest thing i don't know if we mentioned this before wigs how you know chris but a couple yahoos you know just like when i moved to la 
um, from San Diego. Turns out a bunch of my friends from San Diego had gone to Portland or Santa or you know Santa Cruz, San Francisco, whatever it was, came back and ended up in LA as well. So here we all are in LA. Well, these two yahoos came from Indiana, Terre Haute to be exact, where all the uh, magic giraffes go um, and we space tend to aliens. We that. We don't really want anyone to know the the yeah, level let's of not make that public yeah. Image. <laughs> well, too late. Literally called the armpit of Indiana. Yeah. That that's an actual nickname from where we're from. Nice. Well, uh, I don't. I was going to try and make a positive out of that. But I, I don't think I can. <laughs> There's not much. Our, we literally went to high school together. Yeah. Right. And then moved to LA years later. Yeah, and end up like five miles from each other. Exactly. And so this wrench and Wednesday thing started when you figured out that Chris had a shop that you could mooch uh, tools from yeah, <laughs> and yeah. skills from. <laughs> and uh, basically, you guys started do- doing stuff on Wednesdays. Uh, Putting, I mean, you guys all have all sorts of stuff. Chris, I'm going to let you, um, when I say Chris, I need a point. I'm going to let you talk about some of your bikes real quick that you got. You got you got quite the treasure trove. Everybody knows what Wiggins has because we talked about it all the time, his 18,000 18, bikes that he has. But you got quite quite a few nice bikes, too, that you've been working on, um, getting restoed. And, I mean, you've even gone through a bike. I think when I first met you, you had that XR the, for like one week. And then, then you didn't. Yeah, no, we, I, I've moved through a lot of different bikes. I mean, I grew up dirt like a lot of people and then uh, kind of got into the streets as I got a little bit older. And I'm definitely into, you know, reliable street, but primarily vintage. You know, I love a good uh, love a good vintage bike. I think we've all first started riding together. I was on a BMW S1000XR that was a killer bike and uh, tons of power, 160-horse bike. But, you know, I ride Harleys. I ride a... Uh, you know, a little bit of sport right now this past weekend. I think I was on the Tiger for the weekend, but definitely into, you know, kind of vintage two-stroke stuff, RDs, uh, older Hondas, even all the way down to, like, little trail bikes and stuff like that. And still have some dirt, but kind of a big collection of random things, and I'd say usually 75% of them run, <laughs> and the other, uh, you know, 25% are experimental at best. <laughs> and then Wiggs actually... Um, has he, when he brought me to your house and I saw what you had, I immediately I'm a I'm a Yamaha dude. You know I love I love Yamahas and you got you have since uh, I don't know you've got like three RDs since I've known you and I've only I haven't known you that long. <laughs> so yeah, so I actually have um, a '77 uh, Daytona 400 that we just got that actually Wiggins found on an ad and it's a 2,900 mile bike a basic barn find that's been sitting 100% complete. So that'll go, uh, I'm still trying to decide what exactly to do with that, whether I want to actually bring it back and restore it or whether I want to just, just make it a runner and, and go for it. And then I actually got my very first, what I thought to be RD. That's actually an R five. It's a, it's a 1973, uh, R five three fifty when I was 12 years old and I got the bike. I didn't even know that it wasn't an RD and I, I've since pulled that one back and uh, then I got a '76 RD 400 that's up right now, getting uh, completely redone on the on the bike lift. Yeah. It's turning out pretty pretty nice. You got you get, the story behind that um, R5. What is the uh, the history of that thing? So the short of I spent years as a little kid going out to my buddy's house or at my dad's buddy's house riding a YZ80 dirt bike around his property, and this uh, this 
orange, Algerian orange, I think is what the actual tag name for the color is, bike with these long chrome pikes set behind their barn. And I just absolutely adored the bike. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And after years of me begging, they finally let me take this bike home. And uh, my dad just didn't think I'd actually ever get it running. I was like 12 years old. And he's like, the kid can never kick this thing over. I don't have to worry. And I loaned to be old him. I might not be able to pass a test at school, but I could tear a motor down and rebuild it at 12 years old. And uh, I actually got the thing running and would ride it around a little bit and stuff like that, which freaked him out. And uh, then it ended up getting uh, sold off to a good buddy. And then it kind of circled the circled the old Indiana a little bit through different places. And then just recently when we went back to collect a semi and then a bunch of Wiggins's bikes, we were actually able to throw that R5. We, we got it out of a barn out of a buddy of our Sean's place and uh, shipped it out here. So the very first real street bike I've ever had in my life when I was 12 years old, it's now back in my garage a lot of years later and in the exact same condition it was all those years later. Yeah, so it's pretty cool to hit, pretty cool hit to the pause button. Family. Yeah, you basically hit the pause button uh, in time and recovered it. That's pretty sick. And Wiggins, you got more bikes? What? <laughs> Did I, get any? I haven't got any new ones in a little bit. The 750s. I got that 750 from Emma and that other 750. Yeah. I'm going to turn but it up just a tad both here. Both of those are getting sold. I got to get rid of those. Yeah. I would love to keep them, but... Yeah. Speaking speaking of Emma and your bikes, did you hear? Have you listened to the latest uh, Misfits show? Yeah. Features features a jam by yours truly nice. on there. She's uh, not just her. I believe a few of the Misfits have bikes going to Portland for the one show. Yeah, for sure. And that's coming this coming weekend, I think, or this coming week. Her tri- triple that we saw that she was running when we were there and dropped the bike off. She blew it up after that, but now it must be running again. It's going up to the one show. Beautiful bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Um, <clears throat> She was talking about the uh, Benelli Quattro that she has, and there's oh, only nice. one Benelli Quattro that I could think of that she has. She almost scrapped it because she couldn't find a, a second gear for it or something like that. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Second so she was, gear? yeah, she was huh? talking about she was talking about a gear or something like that that she couldn't find for it. Some something maybe well, with the the gear or the this clutch or something. When I loaded on the trailer, I didn't realize the side cover wasn't attached properly. So I get up there, and there's no side cover. This this is the same bike that I loaded up on the yeah, semi yeah. in Indiana. Actually, so yeah, speaking of the R5 coming from Indiana, that's the truck the uh, Benelli got on that truck to come out from Indiana. It was part of my grandpa's collection. He had that Benelli 500 Quattro, right? That what it was, 500? Yeah. And he had a Benelli twin, like a 650 that had 33 miles. And the green one, I think, has only got a few hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she was talking about potentially scrapping that thing because you can't find parts. She's mm-hmm. like I, she's like uh she came she's from Europe, uh England, so she knows every Triumph part across from here to from here to yeah. you know, who knows where, but Benelli I guess is another story and it's really hard to find Benelli and Benelli Quattro parts here in the states. You know, there's probably some some dude in Indiana, a J <laughs> <laughs> next, next to your grandpa that has from what stuff. I understand the story of both of those Benelli's so in the let's see that would have been a 70s bike so in the late 70s early 80s when the value of the dollar was really good and everyone was making good money right my dad and my grandpa would go to motorcycle dealerships and they were I mean they were in them all the time my dad was racing and working on bikes and I guess they would go to dealerships that were closing 
there was a bunch of like NOS tank badges and stuff and seats and all kinds of just random parts that they had bought gaskets. 650 twin that he had only had 33 miles on it. And so he bought them as like a package deal. And I don't think ever rode either one of them. Like bought them both cheap because they were a few years old in the corner of this dealership and the dealership wanted to get rid of them. And then he didn't ride them either. But, you know. I'm glad I didn't know how rare that was and I was craning it up into the back of the (laughs) the semi-trailer. Right. (laughs) For sure. Rad. Um, Yeah, so uh, long story short, she was talking about that. And I know you... um, so she had, did she find the part she needed? She she did something. I forget exactly okay. what had happened, but she decided finally that yeah she's gonna. She found out a way to salvage it. Yeah, and, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they were talking about old bikes and maintenance and stuff on old bikes. How hard it's getting, and I can attest to that. Old Yamaha and Honda stuff used to be a dime a dozen, and that yeah. stuff is even getting hard to find. Um, Some Honda stuff isn't bad because. When Mr. Honda was alive, I guess he had a thing he wanted every bike he ever made people to go to buy parts for. So when he was alive, they still made parts for a lot of stuff. But unless dealerships were buying it and stocking it, like what they do, just have a warehouse in Japan full of parts? Yeah. Um, But there's still a little bit floating around for some of those. They're probably the best, but it's probably late 70s, early 80s when that stopped. Yeah. Like, it's probably harder for me to find... That's not yet, but it's getting tougher for me to find RC51 parts than it is CBX parts. Yeah. Or probably the 750, but a lot of the parts on the 750 and CBX are the same. That's, and those 750s are like a Honda Civic where they're like mm-hmm. super prolific, so that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it's getting harder definitely to find, like your RDs, I'm surprised they're even making two-stroke. You know, two-strokes, the uh, the the devil is right. so in, in California, it's <laughs> it, it kind of goes up and down. Like at times, yeah. you'll see, you know, people are wanting to invest a lot of money in those guys and they're restoring them, and then the parts become impossible to find because no one's actually scrapping out the parts of the bike. You know, no one's eBaying off motor cases and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then they tend to plummet in value at another point, or not plummet, but drop in value. And then people are like, ah, that's not worth restoring anymore. And all of a sudden, I'll see eBay get slabbed with a ton mm-hmm. of parts. I think for me, the mechanical parts haven't been a problem for any of the bikes in my collection. It's yeah. been more tins, mm-hmm. you know, tins and panels and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, I uh, ironically, I have a little CT70 that I hit some loose gravel with when we were camping uh, a few months ago, and I broke the headlight bezel on it. And it's a factory plastic headlight bezel from, uh, I don't know, I can't remember what year that Trail 70 is, but I cannot find one that's worth a darn to save my life everything's like a repop that doesn't fit at all in the headlight bezel and stuff like that like i've had a few random small parts that i would think would be just super easy to get my hands on that i can't find anything legitimate yeah and and there's nothing worse than trying to search online and everything is an uh, aftermarket cheap repop that mm-hmm. doesn't fit or look you know mm-hmm. right at all and the guys that do have an authentic well, they want the price of a new bike yeah. for the authentic. Uh, yeah, that's you know. the other problem. That's the what the market will yield is what the price will uh, skyrocket to. And it's hard. I think you know, like cases aren't hard, but heads aren't hard because there's a lot of like my dad found a 750 a couple weeks ago, and uh, he's like, "What are the rear shocks worth?" He like sent me a picture because he knows will fit the X, and he's like, "I think he paid twenty bucks, maybe less." <clears throat> and uh, yeah, but 
I was like, dude, if you, if someone wanted to take the time, there's a clean frame, there's a motor that could be gone through. So if you needed a head or you needed some parts out of the motor or transmission gears, it's all there. There's, and that stuff's in junkyards everywhere, but a clean tank's not, Yeah, you know, fork seals aren't because yeah. every, because at the same token, all those bikes and in junkyards, all the fork seals are trash. Oh yeah. yeah. But you know, the transmission gears are good. The clutch is good. The crank's good. Yeah, and most of them. And so. you know, fork seals are one of those things where old bikes they don't make like twenty six and twenty eight millimeter fork seals anymore yeah. because everything's yeah. like forty and like Dude. going yeah. up to like fifty. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I bet, I bet the fork stanchions on your new bicycle are as big as a CBX. Dude, <laughs> or they're I, pretty the, close. Those, those are close to what they are on on my SR two fifty. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they, they those are twenty eight <laughs> mil on the on the SR two fifty. And I think the tiny. new Fox stuff is like thirty two and thirty six. Right, right. So yeah, new, yeah, a new downhill bike. I should just swap the front end over <laughs> to my stupid. This thing rides better now. Yeah, what yeah. The and it has disc brakes. Yeah, better, <laughs> pretty good disc brakes. <laughs> right. Um, hey, speaking of the Trail seventy and. Uh, <clears throat> EJ, if you're listening, sorry about yours so many years ago. I jumped my friend's Trail 70 and I came down in wheelie formation, kiss of death <laughs> style, and I totally bent the handlebars on it. Uh-huh. Tried to find handlebars for a Trail 70. Um, there are. And it uh, didn't have the collapsibles? It had those like little ones that are that each. That you shape a little bit? Each yeah, one so, is individual, right? Yeah. It's not. So those, yeah. Originally, that was designed so you could put those motorcycles in the trunk fold of them. a car. Right. You'd yeah. fold up it, the gas tank sealed, and you could pack it into the trunk. Yeah. Uh, by the way, spe- speaking of motorcycles that you can fold up and put in a car, that guy, Pat, that we talked to at the races um, that had the RC51, um, well, me and you talked to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Carrie. Yeah. Um, he's got a Moto Compo, <laughs> and that thing literally oh, yeah. was designed to fold up into the back of the Honda CVCC or whatever the original first Civic was called, right? So yeah, he's got one of those, and it looks like a little suitcase, and he'll use that as pit, as his uh, pit bike and just cruise around. Um, but yeah, I, I busted the CT70. Um, Honda's coming out with this new thing called the Docks. I say Docks because they are, it's D-A-X, probably it's, most people are going to call it Dax, but they're... It's got a little dachshund on the side, and I think that's why they call it the uh, the docks or the dax dachshund, if you're going to call it that. But it's a basically, you know how they're redoing the monkey, but instead of a 50, now it's a 125, and they redid right. the uh, the CT 125, like the Trail 90s, as a CT 125. They're redoing the Trail 70. Now they're calling it the Dax, and it's going to have that 125 ground motor. But it looks exact. It's a steel pressed frame. It's got those collapsible handlebars. It looks that's just awesome. like. Yeah, they did. You know, the new monkey is all metal too. They didn't like go. Ah, let's make a retro style and do it in plastic. They did it in metal a lot, and the the frame is real simple pressed sort of thing. The same does exactly what they're doing with the CT seventy. Well, the Dax they're doing a um. Bye. Are you going? Are you going night night? Yeah. All right. Good night. They're doing a um pressed frame. They're doing the steel um wheel just like the original CT seventy. It's just gonna have a 125 motor now, so that's awesome. Uh, yeah, they're they're going ham on this retro stuff uh, and the mini moto stuff. And it's crazy. Like when the Grom came out, everyone, including myself, was like, "What's what is this? It's a 125. What's this stupid? No bike? one's gonna buy that." <laughs> and then it's like it's literally American Honda's best selling bike. Uh-huh. It's probably World Honda, one of their best selling bikes. Well, like, definitely the Super Cub and the Super. Well, the Cub is a was a 50 cc. Yeah. I believe the Cub is the most sold motorcycle ever produced. In the world, yeah. But 
it's like a Volkswagen Beetle. They produced it for like 40 years without changing it. Like whenever, you know, we know them in the States from like the 60s. They kept producing them all and selling them all over the world, like what, through the early 2000s or maybe later? Because they were, I mean, <clears throat> that old school. And they made some small changes. I think they went overhead cam like the XR50, but it's just such a good, reliable, bulletproof <laughs> bike. I, I want to say that they are still 50cc variants in other parts of the world where you don't typically spend the money on a 125 mm. or something else until the Super Cub came along. I believe they uh, still had uh, 50cc variants up until like 2016 or something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and in 2018, I got a pick of wigs. I think it was 18 of you sitting on that that mm. uh, 125 Cub when it came out. He looked pretty legit. He still had his hooligan Jesus hair, <laughs> and he looked pretty legit on it. It didn't look like – I think they looked pretty cool. Um CSC, who is uh, not too far from you, let me turn that down. But CSC, who's not too far from you, they got a Cub One Twenty Five ripoff, and I think it's a electric scooter, though. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so the same body and everything, total ripoff of the Cub. Obviously, a little bit different on the body body style. They didn't go all out like Honda did, but there's so many variants of the Cub and the Grom, and I mean. These mini motos, but worldwide, that's what people buy. So that's what, uh, dude, that looks delicious. <laughs> I turned, I, I thought I'd turn you down, but I could still hear. Well, it's like the CB400. I met someone on yesterday. They yeah. have a CB404 also, but it's crazy. Like we know that 404 as in the States, it was like 74 through 77 mm-hmm. and then disappeared. So we're like, oh, it's so rare. Worldwide, especially Japan where it's made, it's yeah. not rare. They made it for a lot longer because 400 is like their big weird cutoff. Yeah. You can go bigger, but you need a special license yeah. or something. So most Did you listen to our there. episode? No. Okay. I, I, I About three weeks ago, Matt in Japan was on and he was he broke down the Japan's licensing schedule and it's mm. insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? It's pretty cool. He broke it down like by the CCs, how they do it. And 400 is like pretty much the cutoff and like you said you can get a bigger one but it's just like it's a lot more money yeah it's so how many different license classes do they have dude okay if i can remember there's five different license classes and from 50 cc and they they count it by the cc so that's why a lot of scooters are when you they call it a 50 it's 49 cc we do that in the states too though yeah. In most states, I don't know about California, but most states, it it's like a gray area. And it's a gray area to be a scooter. Because I think in like Indiana, everyone called them like DUI hardies, but they were like those sprees back in the day. But technically, they were supposed to be 49 cc's and have pedals like the little, whatever that brand was, the Pugs or whatever. Or P- I don't know. Peugeot, yeah, I think, made them, right? Pooch. 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 No, I, th- I want to see it was Peugeot for those scooters. There were Pooches oh, too, but. Peugeot made scooters too, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. But. That's like the cutoff. But everyone was on like the Honda Spreeze, but they were 49, so it was okay. That was kind of the gray area. They they were supposed to have pedals and people just didn't yeah. care. And no one, you know, police didn't care either. But that's like the 49cc thing. That's, yeah. that's true here also. So he has a cub and he has an actual cub. And they call those the old man bike in Japan mm. because that's the lowest license that you can have or something like that. And then from 51 to like 125 is a separate license from 125 to 250 is a different license. And then he said, I, I, I think, and 
250 to 400 is the next license, but there's two license classes in between there. It's either that or the 125 to 250. There's two license classes in between there. He's like, they kind of break it down weird. And then once you get to the 400 and above, that is the cutoff. But if you want to get your big, because he's like, there's Harleys and stuff here, but yeah, yeah. it costs more. Like there's another step you got to take and, and blah, blah, blah. It's basically and a penis it, extension bike license at that point. And is it a ride test thing or is it just money or? It's it's every it's a little bit of everything. He says it's like, I remember I, I'm, I had a really good uh, friend who was an exchange student from Japan. And he's like, in Japan, it's like $3,000 to get your license. And he's mm-hmm. like, it's expensive. And it is a lot of like... You, he's like, I failed like three times before I got my license in Japan. Yeah. He's like, here in the states, I came and I passed this test, and I got my license. And it's, but you're right, it's crazy because like vintage Harleys are a big thing over there, like vintage Indians. Like, yeah. look at Brat, you know, Brat style. Like, he came from Japan. There's a lot of super rad Japanese builders, and for the old, like we were talking before the show, the old CB750s and 900s, like people yeah. are building those. So that's got to be that top tier license. Yeah. But and he, he said, so most people. He's like, I got my, they have the license plate have different colors too and different shapes. So when they see you, they can tell, Hey, you're on a 50 CC bike or you've bored that bike out to 70 CCs. You got to report it. And they give you a different plate. If you like hop up your bike past, you know, so he's like, there's a whole thing visually where they can just looking at your plate, they can tell what you're on. And if you've got a certain plate or a certain bike and you're doing certain things, the traffic cops in Japan especially are waiting to bust your ass. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know what? And everybody wants to get their big boy license and have like a Harley or like come over and ride like a 750. He's like everywhere in Japan, at least in the prefecture that where he's in, um, the speed limits are 25. And then outside of town, they're like, 40 and he's like dude i was burning he had a yamaha 404 oh my god it was so rad looking it was like a uh i forget what the i forget what the was what the model number was but it was a four-cylinder little 400 right and the new ones rev like crazy dude. They, make, they make really good yeah. power yeah and i think that's part of the reason the two strokes were big at 350 and 400 yeah because japan japan didn't care if they were two stroke or four stroke. yeah it no was all cc he says that there's two strokes still yeah, blowing right. all over all over town. Just Mr. Honda didn't like two strokes because mm-hmm. he didn't like the noise, but he's like, they're prolific around mm-hmm. here. The thing is, though, he said he almost melted his clutch because the speed limit is so slow, and the cops in Japan are like, you know, you know how accurate we yeah, yeah. we give Japan credit for being like super accurate. He's like, you know, people are sitting there with a the thing, and if you're going like twenty. Uh, seven. Guess what? You're gonna get. You're two miles over the speed limit, sir. You're gonna get it fine. So he's like, so people are literally just like, he's like, I got this 400. It just wants to go, and I'm just cruising around in second gear the whole way to work. And I'm like, that sucks. You yeah. know? He's like, that would so, be so frustrating. To yeah, a bike that can produce. Yeah, any kind of power at all. Yeah. And, be, and I'm not saying like we run around over the top ripping it, but 25 mile an hour is, I know you're just really getting a solid balance. I know, but a lot of them, like they live a lot closer to work. You can really bicycle to work for a lot of them too. 
And you know what? Probably the speed limits are that because the population density and the mm. people that walk and bike to work, you know, you got to keep it safe. But he was telling me all these crazy rules and stuff. It's a, it was a great episode, but it just was crushing to know that, you know, he's like, you know, once you get out into the country, sure, there's lots of open roads. And he's like, I don't want to make it sound like there's no fun places to ride. Mm-hmm. But think about Japan. You're in these clusters of cities where the speed limits are 25 and the only time you get to go faster than that is if you're going in between them. And I he's think like, too, like, I mean, it's very beautiful, obviously, but it's also, I think there's a lot of toll roads. So if you want to go from one side of the island to the other, it's really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Real expensive. Yeah. So it, it added up fast, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, you know, on my super, on my cub, my 50 CC cub, I'm just fine for around town. Yeah. I, I don't need to go faster than 25 because I can't. I'll get a ticket, you know? So I wonder, because um, I think my 400 is actually a 408. So I wonder See? if that was just in the States yeah. or if they're actually allowed like a 410 or 415 or yeah. something like that. They count the CCs, he said, and they'll they'll, they'll break it by a weird, mm-hmm. you know, there, there'll, there'll be some weird thing. Where but that's why like most of the Bozuzoku bikes are 400s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, after that, you don't need to go higher. You, mm. It's not. It's useless, pretty much. So, yeah. and the majority of the bikes that they make for JDM are four hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, yeah. So the, the the DAX is coming out. It's coming to the states. It's one twenty five. You need your. I think Gensky was the lowest license, and I forget what he said the licenses were above that. But yeah, you need your you need your uh, your one twenty five license for that. I think that's the third tier or fourth tier. So, uh, but I don't think it's coming to the states yet. But I guarantee you, it, with how popular the monkey's been and the Grom. And then what's the new little one they just came out with? The Navi. Navi. And someone was. Oh, you were telling me the other day they're selling it in somewhere for like three or four grand. Yeah, the Nokomoto guys were like. I think it retails for on the website. It's like eighteen or less. It's like eighteen or twelve hundred bucks. It's cheap, dude. It's very cheap, and it's basically a scooter that looks like a motorcycle. It's got a CVT like ten inch wheels, very small. Um, and it's and probably Taiwan, not Japanese. Y- it's like yeah, because I think the Grom's actually Taiwan too. Ta- right? Yeah, um, I think this one's made in Mexico now, but I think it was made in India prior, and now it's made in Mexico, um, and. They're 110s, so they're a little bit bigger than the global ones used to be, I think, 50cc. So the ones in, from Mexico are now 110. But, dude, dual disc or uh, drum brakes, dual drums, like this thing is budget. And it's got li- – <laughs> dude, when I first saw the <laughs> the schematics for this thing, it's got two discs or two uh, brake levers going to the front disc. And I'm going, what the hell? And it's got like – just like they did with the PCX, like they try to link the disc, the brakes, but they're using like mechanical means to link the uh, AB, AB. adjust your cables to get your bias right. <laughs> For real, dude. <laughs> uh, is it the PCX has a fucking hydraulic front brake and a cable rear? And when you pull the front brake lever, it sends hyd- hydraulic fluid to this weird like inter it sends it to the front brake but then from the front brake it sends it back to this intermediate master cylinder that's hydraulic obviously but when you squeeze the lever and it sends fluid there it moves the master cylinder but the master cylinder pulls a cable which goes that's how they link the brakes on this (laughs) so i'm like dude 
It's like so Rube Goldberg. Your Honda, you should have an actuator or something, right? But they're trying to keep costs down. And the, the point of the Navi PCX was to do was that. that Pacific Coast thing, right? No, no. Uh, oh, that was um, the the PCX 150, the little scooter. Mm-hmm. But the PCX was, yeah, the big. Uh, that thing, like, it was super cool now at this time, but it was like. I think listening to Emma talk about it, she's like, it takes 15 hours to put an air cleaner in it or something. Yeah. It's Dude, worse than it, a Goldwing. It's all, it is all plastics on that. And it was an 800. I forget if it had like a DCT, like one of the first DCTs. I don't think it did. But it, but yeah, those things are all body. Mm-hmm. I saw one in for sale about 20 years ago for $30,000. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what? And it turned out to be this guy from the Cat Chronicles uh, selling his bike, and if you ever, if you want to know what that is, go to the CAC Chronicles, C A C K Chronicles. Uh, it was like an ADV rider thread, and he was selling this PCX that he had like took around the globe. It was crazy, but um, I'm talking about the scooter, the PCX uh, 150. But um, but and sometimes yeah. that stuff just seems more expensive. Yeah, because yeah. I've seen drum brakes with hydraulic actuators. <laughs> like a lot of what cars have. Yeah. So why wouldn't you just do that? Yeah. Well, and it's funny to see how Honda is tackling some of the things that on their bikes. And the P, and, and the thing about the Navi was um, it's supposed to be 1200 bucks. I turned you down so you're good. You're good. Um, it's supposed to be 12 or 1800 bucks. And the Nokomoto guys were telling me that somewhere in Loveland, Colorado, they have jacked up the price to 4000 bucks or 3000 some odd bucks, so f- like more than double, like three times the asking price from the MSRP. And it's weird. It's like, is it because gas is so expensive right now or is, is it, but, but, and there's so much, there's so much hype around that one too. Yeah. Holidays are just around the corner and you know what that means. It's time to head down to Braun Towers, Hughes Motorsports Fun Palace and refurbish secondhand medical equipment resellers. Looking for some great gift ideas for the holiday season? Brown Towers has you covered. Surprise that special family member with one of these great deals. A 2016 Africa Twin, $32,000. A 2009 Yamaha Rhino, $8,000. 2001 CRF 450R, $7,500. A 2020 Husqvarna 500EXC, $16,000. Uh, oops, the decimal place was in the wrong spot. $160,000. A 2019 Kawasaki Ninja H2 Carbon? Call for pricing. We have the lowest prices in Minnesota guaranteed. Braun Towers. We put the fun in. Fun to shop at Braun Towers for great holiday specials. Braun Towers! Braun Towers. On the corner of filth and name. Hey, creative writers, RP Enterprises wants to remind you of their latest, greatest invention, the medicated adhesive graphic strip. This medicated bandage strip is emblazoned with bold graphics depicting infected, pus-oozing, disgusting wounds. Whether you have just a minor scratch, a hangnail, or a clean gash, make sure you customize it with the Mags Bandage from RP Enterprises. RP Enterprises only available at fine retail stores near you. So uh, there was a little bag of beef jerky at the grocery store that was like, see if you can finish the whole bag. And I was like, oh, man. It said it was spicy. So I got some other beef jerky and got that. Yeah. Chris just grabbed his second one. Actually, it's, I had a second very one hot. too, but it was, man. <laughs> I, I almost, when I got another beer, I almost grabbed a third one, and I, I couldn't bring myself to do it because then, like, it ruined. I couldn't taste the beer. <laughs> like, yeah. It was hot. 
<clears throat> I took yeah. a, I, I bit one of those and then I bit one of the uh, meat stick things and it was just like texture. It wasn't even a taste. Mm-hmm. It was just like a texture. Yeah. Yeah. Mine finally went away. Dude. It took like 20 minutes. <laughs> that was it pretty. It was painful. Pretty spicy. Um, hey, speaking of spicy and other things that are spicy, God, there's such a spike where I turned you up and it. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, the, uh, the Nightster dropped. You guys uh, see that? The Harley Nightster dropped last week. We re- really haven't talked about it that much. Or I don't think I talked about it at all when it came out because I didn't do a show last week. But uh, yeah, Harley brought back the Nightster. I think the Nightster debuted in 2007 and died in 2012, I want to say. And uh, so the new one is basically their new crazy shit. I already forget what they're calling that motor. The Revolution X, right? Revolution Max or Revolution Max, X yeah. or something. And uh, I, I think it's got the same specs as the as the Sportster S, which was a detuned Pan America. The Pan America is running about 150 horsepower. The Sportsters have about 120, 121. I think the Nightster has it. And I think... I. I was looking at them the other day. The only thing I don't like about the Sportster S is the balloon tires because it makes handling. If you're going to make a sport model. Well, the Sportster S look like they put all the Sportster ideas in a hat and just pulled out random ones and whatever they pulled out worked. <laughs> like they put a flat track tail and yeah. weird flat track pi- high pipes. But then, uh, yeah, uh, those like fat tires. Yeah. And then forward controls. Yeah. And I'm like, none of that goes together. Mm-hmm. Like you, you didn't. It was just, it was bad. It was I, real bad. I, I saw them with mids, and I guess mids is an option that you can get, but whenever I see one, whenever I've seen one in person, they have forwards, and I'm, yeah. and I'm like, dude, that's a dumb combination. But just the weird flat track. And I saw one the other day, actually, the first one I saw it in a while, and the taillight's on, it's got that European like rear fender that mounts to the axle yeah, behind yeah. the tire, which is cool. I don't, I don't hate that, but the taillight's on that. Yeah. So you can't get rid of it if you want to get rid of it. Yeah. You got to figure out how to mount a taillight somewhere else. Right. Uh, just like the two, the previous version, um, uh, MT-07, I believe it was. I don't think it was a 9. I think it was a 7 had that tail lamp like that. And if you want to eliminate the taillight, yeah, you got to you gotta rewire. Your wiring runs down the swing arm, up the license plate bracket and mudguard bracket and then into the lighting and yeah if you want to delete it you gotta basically rewire the back of your bike yeah so but yeah the sportster the the thing i didn't like about the s was it looks it looks dumb it's super low i mean yeah it it comes with ford controls and the fat balloony tire so when i saw the nightster i thought well hey this is the this is what we want like this is great um, I think the Nightster looks pretty good. I, I, I liked the old Nightster, and it's where the Iron 883 came from, and then mm-hmm. the subsequent Iron 1200 has come from it, and so I was pretty stoked to see that. Um, I've heard some burblings and bumblings recently about the 388R, that one thing that they were going to do with... Uh, um, it wasn't Zhang Shan, but I think it was a Queen Zhang or something. One of the big, so um, like a baby one or something. Yeah, they were gonna bring like a parallel twin Chinese bike, similar to the Benelli 388 or whatever the hell that uh, mm. Benelli is, like the TNT or the 388 R. Harley was partnering with some Chinese company to bring a smaller bike here. We all know how well the American-made and Indian-made um, streets worked out here, so. <laughs> 
I don't know if a 388 is going to do it. Um, Siddons, you got a you got a pretty beefy Harley. You still have that Harley, right? Oh yeah, it's getting uh, it's getting ready to be <laughs> torn apart yet again. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a pretty radical build. I've been through like four different motors in that thing at this point, and um, I'm not one to not pin it after it's built. Yeah, and uh, you know we all have those life lessons learned on that, but <laughs> you know it's like mid uh, 110, you know claimed uh, as far as the the guy that picked all the engine parts out for it to to design it around i'd say it's a solid 100 105 horse little sporty but it's a you know it's a solid mount and it's a it's a gnarly little guy it's hard to keep the front tire down on it when it wants to rip but it's also hard keeping it on the on the road in general so (laughs) i well yeah i remember you did that little tiny wheelie on it the last time I rode with you on it, and then that was actually the last time I rode it. Right. Also, uh, ironically, <laughs> because ten, uh, ten miles I, later, we we're not even on not the even side of the highway. We we're on the side of the highway. Yeah, yeah I scorched the uh, rear cylinder. Uh, oh, is that what happened? Yeah. So we kind of found out that the past two motors, we couldn't understand the timing issues, and um, the technician that I've been working with, really, really knowledgeable dude, has it's been really on top of things, and he's kind of been frustrated because I built the motor, but you know this guy picked all the parts and did that kind of stuff. And uh, he's like, it just doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense why this motor is scorching the rear cylinder. Um, and I'm trying to remember which ignition Wiggins. Do you remember we have in that thing? It's the uh, the uh, the four, yeah, the four high E or something. Yeah, yeah. And finally, after this one, motor four over the past ten years, um, we went in and actually were metering stuff. Him, you know, kind of remoting in through a laptop. We were kind of going back and forth and kind of find out that. The, uh, there's issues with the ignition module on it, so we think that it, what it was doing is it was, it was, excuse me, altering timing after off idle. So we were getting a good pickup signal, um, and but the curve wasn't correct, even though we were selecting the right curve on the ignition modules on it. And uh, yeah, we were just scorching rear cylinders. It was just uh, it was advancing timing too much. Dang. So unfortunately, it's cost me. A lot of frustration, a couple of toes, and a whole bunch of motor rebuilds. But it seems like we're on the right path now to, to get yeah. that thing back on. Which, when it's on, it's a that thing's a blast. Yeah, it's just a torquey, monstrous. You know, it's just pissed off the world the whole time. Yeah, and it sounds nice too. Is it a twelve fifty? Uh, that's a twelve seventy eight. Oh shoot! Okay. So that would extra you extra seventy eight cc's? Yeah, man, that's just a, <laughs> yeah. That's forty more. Uh, 40 more miles per hour, I bet. And uh, how many miles per gallon? <laughs> how many yeah. miles per gallon less? <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a one-to-one ratio at this point. So would you <laughs> would you consider a Harley 388R built with the... I mean, you guys were talking... We might talk about this tonight. You guys were talking ADV bikes and, and CSC possibly, right? The the RX3 or RX4 Um Zong Shen, I think, is who makes those, and uh, I think it's the other one. Q. I can't remember the name of the company, but there's another huge Chinese company that was partnering with Benelli and Harley, and probably BMW for their 300s and all this stuff. Um, would you consider a 300 cc Harley? You know, uh, we, we talked about the CSC scooters when we were for, or the CSC stuff when we first looked at ADV bikes because mm-hmm. they're 2,500 bucks or something. Yeah. 
Uh, I think what we were looking at was like four grand. Yeah. So I mean, you must have been looking at a brand the new bike. For RX four. The yeah, RX four yeah. is our the actually four four when brand. we were on the canyon this weekend, we passed that weird Beamer with the exhaust on the left and the drive on the right. I wonder if that was a Chinese BMW. Hmm. I had to. Th- uh, was it a R nine T? No, it was a in a weird ADV bike, but it wasn't a parallel. Oh, weird. Yeah, I think it yeah. Was a, Right, I think it was parallel. It wasn't a boxer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, unlike those adventure bikes, the smaller CC bikes, I will say it, a couple of years ago, I did a trip to Belize and the biggest CC bike you can get there is 250. Uh, you can import, but as far as like a rental and that kind of stuff that we could find, maybe I'm sure someone will correct me. Um, 250 cc's was the biggest we could find. And I was so bummed by it. I spent all this time trying to research and rip motorcycles and do all this stuff. And then the irony of it is, is the gentleman that was going with me, um, he'd gotten his written test and we were going to send him to a ride school and do all that kind of stuff. And life happened and we didn't have the chance. And it just so happens this rental place down in, in a Belize said, Oh, if you have your permit, we don't care. We'll rent you a motorcycle. <laughs> no one in Belize has our license either. So yeah, right. yeah. welcome. <laughs> and uh, so we fly down there, and he actually didn't have any seat time yet. So I went and rented the bike for him and then brought it back to our hotel and then went and rented mine and came back <laughs> so that they couldn't see him trying to take off, you know, kind of. Burning, um, burning through the clutch. <laughs> but, you know, that being said, we spent eight days on 250cc single-cylinder kind of little old sport, you know, kind of those, you know, like the bikes that they're selling in Azusa. It was the most fun I ever had. Yeah. I, there was no stress. There was no worry. The bike weighed like 80 pounds. You could throw it around. You could do whatever you wanted. It was just fun. And, you know, I the bike I was riding the day before we left for the airport was a 170-horsepower BMW, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to suck. It's so slow. So to answer the question of what I consider the, the smaller CC bikes, you know, at the, at the same time, like I'm going through the girlfriend's learning to ride and I'm kind of seeing her progress through the S40 to the T100, you know, in my collection and that kind of stuff. And yeah, I, I, they're all fun. Like when you start jumping back on those smaller CC bikes, there's something just so pure. Yeah about being able to pin it and cruise and not worry and not put all this power to the ground, it's actually very, it's almost more lively than some of the fast bikes for me, if that makes yeah. any sense. I definitely agree that it's more fun to go fast on a slow bike than slow on a fast bike. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the only thing is the, I've heard a lot of people talk about um, Zongshen and Shinrei or Shinrei and um, QJ, why can't I think? I think it's Kongjong or something like that. And I think that's who is Harley supposedly partnering with. Um, and that's who Benelli is partnered with. My my biggest thing is that the the CSC bikes get a good rep or a bad. You either get, it's like the Can-Ams from the 70s. I got an awesome one and we won every motocross championship or I got a piece of shit and it never, ever worked, no matter right. what I did to it. And that's what I've heard from CSC. Guys will have them, and people will be trash-talking them. They're like, listen, I've had this thing for like six years. I've bombed it. I've tried to break everything on it. It didn't. Or some guys go, oh, I rode 500 miles, and my motor shredded like cheese. You know. So for me, that would be the biggest thing. But I agree with you 100% that having a small, 
Harley, an affordable Harley now with, uh, you know, Harley sales are down 5% this quarter and their bikes, you look at the CVOs and they're fucking like $40,000, you know what I'm saying? Like they're getting up there and the regular bikes, they had to bring back the electric glide standard for a reasonable price. And right now the live wire even is, uh, I mean, the, the sticker price is 19. Who knows what they're actually, what you're going to end up paying for it out the door. But I mean, you're, you've got these bikes and, and, and a lot of electric bikes like Zeros and all these other ones that are coming in cheaper than like CBRs and all this crap now. So I think if Harley could bring you a cheap, shitty bike just to get you on a Harley, right? regardless if it was a, a Chinese or not, I'd almost go for it. I really wanted a street. There was this dude that had the street rod uh, down at the poke shop down the street. And I thought, you know, I know it's only a 750. I know they're not going to be as fast as any as an 883 or, you know, keep going up from there. But it just seemed cool. And it seemed like, you know, if there's a bike that you're going to bend or like try to like roach out into like an off-road bike, it'd be a 750 or something that's not obviously not a bagger. Although we saw how popular baggers were this weekend at the track. They're pretty <laughs> popular. Um, that's the sort of thing I'm thinking. It's like, you know, these small, a 300cc Harley or 400cc Harley even would be so fun to do like the, uh, a gambler or like make a small Harley class for like the Parker 400 or all this shit, the mint, like all this stuff where Biltwell is going out there and racing a bunch of, you know, built the Biltwell 100, you know, it'd be yeah. cool to have a small displacement Harley and you know, even if Harley is just partnering with another company, you know they're going to have parts and accessories out the ass for this thing because their parts and accessories catalog. I know young people that listen to this show, which is probably none, uh, there's these things called phone books when we were kids that were about a four-inch thick uh, paper, and that's how Harley parts catalogs. I mean, they're just like a Bible, you know what I'm saying, of, of uh, stuff. So, you know, even if it's not theirs, they're going to make parts for it that are makes it fun. And I think, I think it would be cool. Although I'm also one of the guys that thought it'd be awesome if they had a 700, a 750, like they did back in the old days, like a KR 750. Yeah. And then, you know, I never even wanted to buy one. They look like crap to me, <laughs> except for when people got them and then customized them. And now I'm like, Honestly, oh, I missed like, out on my 750. For the street, I think I, the 750 I had just didn't really like freeway, but the street rod, they didn't really make very much more power than the regular, the first mm-hmm. XG, but I've ridden one at Chuckwalla that was pretty stock, and it's a blast yeah. to ride. It's a lot of fun. But I think the thing with like a 380 or whatever, you got to think with Harley, like that's not to sell bikes in the States. If they do that, like the XG500, they weren't selling XG500s in the I States. Know. They were for the classes. That was a 500. But I don't even think you could go in the dealer and get one. Unless you just like requested to get one, but they were for mostly India, but they were for the global market. I heard, well, yeah, that, and they were made, a lot of them were made in India, um, Mm -hmm. for India, and and who knows if they still are possibly. Um, but definitely they were for the rider courses. Now they're doing them on 883s. I mean, if you're going to have a 750 with 40 horsepower or an 883 with 40 horsepower, what's the difference? They're both got 40 horsepower. Yeah, and I think what the new Sportster is a 975. Yeah, the Nightster is a 975, and it's but they um, offer that motor in a 1200 that makes 150, 150 on the in the Pan Am and detuned to 121 on the uh, Sportster S. But 121 on the the new Nightster, right? I think so. That's for a Sportster. 
That is a ton of power. Listen, it beats the old 48. It's 110. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, Trusty Rusty was lucky to be 80, and that thing's a ripper too. Mm-hmm. My Buell's 95, and that thing is really fast. Yeah. So it's it's a lot. I mean, for the shape of that bike, like 120 horse in a sport bike's not a lot. But in something like that, not it's, nowadays. it's quite a bit. Yeah. And people that are going to be buying it, that's a lot. Yeah, I, I, dude, and and I love what they did with it. I would I would be stoked if I could afford a Harley that was even if it was only three hundred CCs. Like I'd love an old two fifty Harley, Aramaki Harley, Aramaki's? like a yeah, yeah. yeah, like a Harley Sprint or something. But you know those things are worth more than a than a um, street <laughs> seven fifty. <750. Yeah>, yeah, <laughs> right? So good luck. But I mean, just to have that and just tool around on it, I, you know, and, and the higher gas goes, the more I've been looking at um, electric bicycles, which we can talk about on, an, on another show. But the, the ADV thing um, really, you know, you, you recently got a, a new ADV bike. You've been looking for one and we've all been hoping that you'll just finally I've, fucking get one. I've committed. And quit asking about one. Yeah, so it's funny. I text you guys and I was like, hey, this is kind of what I'm between. And you guys all were basically right on par with what I was thinking. So I text my cousin like the next day. I was like, hey, I was looking at 1150s and it just doesn't make sense to spend the money. Like, I think I'm going to just go with yours. And he's like, so you want it? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, good. I got to tell someone at work who was interested in it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm glad I texted you back when I did. But, so, long story short, what are you going to be getting? Uh, 2006 950 KTM Adventure R. It's got a Kropovich exhaust. It does have all three bags, although the top bag is not, uh, what is yours, Tortec? Yeah. It's like a Gavivi or whatever, the G-I-V-I. So it's like with a weird round plastic. But, you know, it's got 16,000 something miles. I heard that if you have money, you can buy a new top case for those. Yeah, but do I don't know if I want to spend money on one. But he gave me a pretty fair price. I got to respect. It actually, when I reread his text, he gave me a price and he was like, just for you. But I was looking around and it was a pretty fair price. Like it wasn't like a crazy family deal. Yeah. And as much as I wanted to be like, oh man, hook me up. Part of me was like, I really respected that. I was like, okay, I can live with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but it's super clean. I know where it's coming from and I know how he has taken care of bikes. So it's really nice, really well maintained. Um, so, and then the best worst part is I have to ride it back from Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good. The last time I got a text from somebody that said just for you, it was a dick pic. I was pretty sad about it ah. and I did, <laughs> I did not want to write it back from Indiana, yeah. but man, what a fun adventure. Yeah, so on an adventure. Yeah. On an adventure. So Wiggins is going from the guy who the only bike that you owned previously on the podcast that didn't start with an H was your Jawa. You've always yeah, had Hondas much. or Harleys. Yeah, and technically so, the Buell was a Harley, so yeah. yeah. So now you're going. I mean, that's and that's been most of my life. Yeah, so but now, I think now I mean, you're the going Triumph me, Tiger, like, huh? <laughs> the thing with me, like <laughs> the KTM, isn't meant to be like a long term keeper. Yeah, where most of my Harleys and Hondas are. Gotcha. But I mean, it might be like it might be a few years for sure. But I'm thinking like we're gonna do one or two trips a year where we can throw tents on it and do that kind of thing and like actually take a cool trip. And then it's going to be like little weekend rides here and there. 
So, but for a lot of local little weekend stuff, like I have an RC 51 that needs ridden. I have a CBX that really needs ridden. Yeah. So that I think is going to be most of those little things, but you know, um, we're trying to do another Memorial day trip. I won't have an ADV bike this year, but, and then last year you and I went down to the Julian, like how many, well, there was that big ADV ride down there. Yeah. I think I say we, we hit the, it's almost (laughs) like if we would have went last weekend during the get off adventure fest or get out adventure fest and been like, Hey, there's a lot of ADV bikes here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. We hit the Geico adventure rally last year. Yeah, we did. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be, so ideally the 2023 Memorial day trip, we'll probably throw tents on and, and do that thing instead of hotels and whatever. But, and then, yeah, but it's like, honestly with family and kids and work, like a couple weekends a year a lot. Yeah. So hopefully we get a, uh, hopefully Chris and I talked about shipping his bike back to Indiana since we grew up there, seeing some buddies for a couple of days and then riding back out. And honestly, until you get to Western Colorado, just, it sucks. Just buy another bike back there and ride yeah. it out. That seems easier for me. Unless you missed the first part of the show. They were <laughs> born in the armpit of Indiana. Yeah, You're right. going to be riding back to the armpit. <laughs> we, uh, we grew up, there was a, a plant in our hometown oh, that when you milk. grow up in the town, you have no clue yeah. how terrible creosol smells. Mm-hmm. Oh, And then shit. you move out of the town exactly. or you go adventure like and you come back and you go... Fuck! This stinks uh, terribly. Yeah. I lived here, huh? Yeah. yeah. It's something I about smelled paper like plants, that, but it literally smells like poop. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. That, that plant's long been shut down. Yeah, yeah. So it's shut the down whole town. The time so. I moved. Yeah, there's not a ton of stuff left in that town. Yeah. There's two stores left at the mall. Yeah, it's like a farmer's market in there or something. Like I heard. Yeah, terrible. An Amish farmer's market. Listen, I mean, and most malls are shut pretty well down. But yeah. Man, it was like I mean. You know, when we were in high school, like, where do you want to go? Let's go to the mall. Yeah, <laughs> mall rats. You guys were watching mall rats. You you were you were living mall rats every week. Dude, like, uh, I think JC Penney shut down there. Macy's shut down. Sears is now shut down. Yeah, like yeah. those were. I mean, and the way I'm assuming most malls were, but those were like the end, like the building, like the stores on the end, right? And then they were they called anchor stores. Yeah. yeah, those the anchor stores. The mall. Yeah, they were huge. Yeah, like all gone. Nice. Holy gone. Yeah. We had that Meadows Mall, but it was pretty dead. As soon as our southern, the bigger mall in the south end of town opened up, like that one was pretty dead. Yeah. I remember going like, I don't remember, maybe it was every night, but they had like cheap movies. I was a business partner, actually owned part of that Meadows Theater for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, so like, you know, girlfriend in high school, like, let's go see a $5 movie. That's where you went. Yeah. Dang, you had a girlfriend in high school? I had it in my hand. <laughs> it was easy to get into the movies. <laughs> um, there's like MCL cafeteria there. Yeah. There's and a whole underground shopping too. That's what's crazy. Literally the entire mall had an underground. Yeah. Holy shit. That but I remember being in high school and it was a like a call center. I've heard like about a, hey a telemarketer. Yeah. I've place. heard about this phenomenon where in the Midwest everything has a basement. A lot of things. Apparently the mall had a basement. basement. That was weird. I remember going down there in high school and it was like 70s green. That was crazy. Seems like an underground city. All of the houses definitely had basements. Yeah. And so did the mall. Basements are way to go. (laughs) I've drug a lot of motorcycles into basements during the winter to rebuild them. And then that was like the you know suit of arms. Yeah, yeah. If you could ride it up the stairs, to oh, the basement. I knew a lot of, yeah. In the <laughs> spring, what you had, you had to like take it halfway apart and kind of. The the first time I saw it, I was like I don't know eight or nine years old. My best friend Ernie, growing up, his dad built him an XR eighty 
over the winter in the basement of his house. And then, like, me and my buddy are messing around and said something about, like, well, how are you getting it out of here? And he, bum, 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 and up the stairs he went, right into the living room and out the front door. Nice. God dang. Mm-hmm. But that's like Red warm. Bull racing nowadays. That's they they, yeah. they race through people's houses in Brazil <laughs> and shit. We'd have a leg up from the Midwest. Yeah, it's like you guys shouldn't enter the hard enduro. They go right down the alley over some like man-made log through someone's basement, up through their living room, and out the front door. Yeah, down. If someone wants a cheap place to live. I accidentally clicked on a house on Zillow in Terre Haute, and I've clicked on houses where I want to go in North Carolina or Eastern Tennessee, and I don't nothing pops up. But they keep popping up in Terre Haute, man, and like. 120 grand, 150 grand. My God. That's how much they're paying you to go there? Yeah. No, they couldn't. I don't think they could pay me enough. I'd have to see because, like, so if they paid me 150 grand to move there, but who's going to cover my lawyer fees and my divorce loss? Right. So yeah. that would be the hard one. Yeah, <laughs> your dude, your like, wife? Then you know we're all siding with your wife. So. Oh, yeah. no, I, for sure. Yeah. Dude, like, a pretty nice house for like 150 grand. Oh, yeah. 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 That like, sounds like Indiana. Um, so hey, no we're, one wants to move there. We're at an hour, guys. I've seen those cards? Uh, I, welcome, welcome to an hour of creative writing. We've wasted a perfectly good hour. We're we're actually not going to let Wiggins waste any more of your precious time. We know you have things to do. <laughs> Johnny San from Ass Harley over there in Taiwan. I hope you liked it. No, no background noise on this this episode. Just a, mm-hmm. sound like three guys recording in the same bathroom together, which we could be. I'm not going to tell you. We we're, we're in a uh-huh. secret location. <laughs> Somebody flush that toilet. Um, but anyways, yeah, this, this has been the show. Uh, stick around for next episode. Um, I want to ask you, if you've had a crash, we're going to be talking about crashes on the next show. At least one of us is. Maybe maybe a couple of us. Um, if you've had a crash, or if you live in Terre Haute and you want to tell... <laughs> tell us can, about the crash town. Yeah, tell us about what an armpit it still is. Uh, write in, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on uh, Facebook, Instagram, any of that stuff at Creative Writing Podcast. And uh, yeah, send us in your crash stories. We want to hear about them. Uh, just a reminder... Uh, again, we mentioned at the top of the show, but Social Slam's coming up and get out and do one of the fun events that we talked about at the beginning of the show. And uh, other than that, have a great weekend. Uh, talk to y'all later. And listen, if you if you have any inside news on that Harley 3880R, email old junkie here at Creative Writing. I need to, I need to get the scoop. I think we know an engineer out there, right? Yeah, we do. But I don't think they can say anything. <laughs> they can't. And my NHTSA people aren't saying anything either, which means Harley's being pretty tight-lipped as this thing's even come to the States. So. It's one of the f- funnier ones. We had a, a listener, not the engineer I was thinking of, but I think of marketing, mm-hmm. what he did. And uh, so I saw him when I was in Milwaukee, and he told me that he listened to the show. And I was like, oh, man, Great. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. And he's like, you. no, you're right about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, hopefully he's still listening since it's just been me and Tobor, that fucking robotic asshole. I hope he's gone. I hope he's not looking at us right now. He's come over here and kill me for saying that. But excuse me, um, Chris, number one, uh, there's something we used to do on this show. Uh, Which one's number one? You never specified. I, I figured you'd just call me Wigs. Not sure. Yeah, that's why. That's why. Okay. Number okay. one or number one asshole. But we yeah. Don't really know. Yeah. Yeah, you guys fight it out. Uh, like I told you, we close the door. Only one of us makes it out of the studio without getting getting beat up. Um, I'm gonna pass out some cards, and we're gonna answer these. We haven't done this in a long time, so here you take take two and uh, give us students one. I'll just take this 
Yeah, we haven't done this in, in a thousand years since Jay was on the show. We each got this stupid card, and we're going to go around in a in an awkward triangle and ask him. So first, yeah. I'm going to go first. I'm going to ask Siddons my question, and, and then he's going to ask Wiggins oh, his. I don't have to answer this. Someone else does? Cool. Yeah, right. yeah. So my question to you, Chris number one, which is Chris S., what is one habit you would like to stop doing? Oh, man. Procrastinating. <laughs> I thought you were going to say procreating, and then I thought you were going to say, <laughs> say buying Proving? bikes that don't run. Uh, <laughs> Anything with No, the there's nothing wrong with buying <laughs> motorcycles that don't run because there's opportunity there. There you go. Opportunity, my friend. So procrastinating. What the hell are you procrastinating? You seem like the busiest body in the world. That's still putting shit off. Yeah. He waited until the last done. minute. Now he's yeah. trying to get it done. <laughs> yeah, I did nothing for the first like 35 years of my life. You guys met me when I was trying to catch everything up. Gotcha. Universal Studios is like, hey, it's... Oh, we're, yeah. We're waiting for our thing for this I'm month. i right emails now. from them right now while we're sitting here. <laughs> okay. Well, we got to get him out of here pretty quick. Uh, all right. Go, go ahead and ask Wiggins your question. Okay. Uh, so what how question did you ask today? What how question? Did you ask Evie, how do you like that scooter that you're oh. ripping a wheelie on? I don't, that's a... Loses How do I get in my wife's I, pants? <laughs> oh, what how question did you ask today? I was so happy I didn't have to answer this because I'm like, I, know. I don't really know. How yeah, I don't that. know what I did how today. And I um, didn't ask any how questions. Maybe I need to. I probably oh, asked I did. myself, how I did I my fuck s- that up? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's the best thing I can come up with right yeah. now. Asking yourself questions. That, you're the only one that doesn't know the answers, by the way. That's, oh, that's ir- the problem. The ultimate irony. Something up. <laughs> How did I do that? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with me? All right. What's your question for me? Uh, which get- person do you admire most? Out of this group? Wow, it, that's... It doesn't specify. Thank God, because I don't want you guys... I would to not be- pick <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh I'm gonna cop out Deacon and left already. Yeah, I know. <laughs> My daughter's out here, so shit. I'm left with some shitty choices. Uh, I'm gonna say um, Soichiro Honda. I admire that motherfucker mm. for putting out bikes that people are still emulating today. He was alive when the Cub came out. He was alive when the uh, uh, Monkey came out. He was alive when the CT70 came out. And now people are just trying to reinvent the wheel and bring these bikes back. So I and admire I, I that. I think he had this idea about improvement. Like the NR750 was like a really good example, but I'm sure he did it with everything. Like someone asked him once, maybe it was even before the 750, but something about a bike failure. And it was something to the tune of like it wasn't a failure because we learned from it yeah that's exactly what elon musk says about you know i crashed eight eight rockets only three of them of but we learned something every we fail up right so because i mean think about it like the nr750 it didn't work right but what if it did it's oval pistons eight valves per cylinder two connecting rods like what if it did work yeah that's crazy do you have totally changed you know when did that come out in the 80s the race bike, or was it 90s? Dude, you know what else came out in the 80s That's that totally worked? 100 years. Weird science. <laughs> <laughs> That's 100 years of the internal combustion engine with very little changes. Yeah. And he was like, oh, well, what a, to get more valves in there, what if we just make them oval? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty smart fella. 
and, um, it, and didn't view it as a failure, even though on paper it was. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it didn't stick around, but, it, but you got to try it or else yeah. everything's a failure. And now it's it. legendary. Like you see, you know, there's museums that instead of the whole bike, they just have a piston and connecting rods. It, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, That's my inspirational quote for the mm. night. If it's not a failure, you're not trying. What's your inspirational quote? Um, shit, that hurt. <laughs> What's your inspirational quote? I can't believe we got him, everybody. We got him, just like we used to get Wiggins. You don't get the last word around here. I'm lucky I do. Tobor does. Tobor cuts you off, not me. Uh, thanks, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Tara Hayton on Terra Haute. Uh, just some ramblings with the dudes we've been doing a lot of writing and wrenching with, and uh, made a bad move today. We all went and we we, we all pitched in a thousand dollars to buy a, a a group bike today. It didn't happen, but I can tell you that it's not going to stop us from getting some. So at any rate, uh, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts at, unless you listen to podcasts on the radio. You can't, it's hard to leave us a review there. But yeah, check us out, Creative Writing Podcast, everywhere you can find us, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Um, we do have a Discord, and uh, if you want it, I think we got the link on our website somewhere. And I'll put it, actually, I'll put it in the show notes. That'd be an awesome idea. Uh, find us on Reddit at creative underscore writing.com. Don't go to just creative writing. Or I'm sorry. Uh, God damn it. I'll just redo this whole intro. Hey, y'all. It's Shaky Van Buren for creative writing. Find us on Reddit at creative underscore writing. <laughs> Do not go to this regular creative writing with no spaces or underscores. You're going to get a triple X surprise. And uh, hell, what do I care? Go there. It's Maybe it's fun. And it's International Female Ride Day is coming pretty soon. You will see some females riding, that's for sure. Uh, I did want to mention Solstice Slam is coming up July 1st, 2022. Solstice Slam, what is it? Well, if you listen to the show for a while, you know what it is. If you haven't, it's a listener-submitted show. And uh, the, the show is going to air July 1st, so please don't be sending in your entries like July, you know, June 31st at like midnight okay I'll slap you in the face and that will be your prize uh, try to get him in like at least three or four days before the show you can submit artwork music uh, spoken words send us an audio recording I don't care ride stories um, uh, I already said artwork and music what else can you submit oh you know prose poetry fiction music I don't care whatever it is we're gonna play it on the show if you submit some artwork we'll obviously post it uh, to, the, to the blog post for that that week's show but this year I am trying to get everybody some prizes and I want to tell you what they are because in the past nobody knew and I think that really uh, didn't contribute to good uh, participation so we're going to do you some gift certificates from Cycle Gear everybody's buy a Cycle Gear I know they're worldwide, they're nationwide in the states so there you go and if you're an international listener we'll figure it out you let me know what's by you maybe I'll buy you some poutine or a kangaroo pancake whatever the hell you know will we'll float your boat in your uh, country of origin um we're also going to try and do a helmet this year, probably something from Cycle Gill or Cycle Gill, Cycle Gear or Biltwell, uh, something like that. Just hopefully your head isn't so enormous that we need extra, you know, resin and plastic and fiberglass. That's going to suck. So hopefully you have a reasonably sized head. But we'd like to do that this year. If you would like to sponsor Solstice Slam by sending something from your company, like, you know, Field Initiative Knives before has contributed, Cobb and Pickles has contributed. Um, yeah, a creative writing. 
writing has contributed. So if you want to contribute to something to Social Slam to get your name out there, get in touch with me at uh, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a Social Slam submission, submit it to slam at creative-writing.com or creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. It's as easy as that. Send them in. Right now, I just go pick the lint under your belly button. It's time to go. Get there and ride.